This episode is in response to a question that we got on Instagram, and it is, what are the dangers of raising countercultural kids? And obviously, Elisha and I are not claiming to know all the dangers of raising countercultural kids, but I think the biggest danger that our kids face, regardless of how they are raised, is losing their faith, not establishing a faith. And I think sometimes when you raise your children counterculturally, the biggest danger is raising children that have a false understanding of the gospel or believe in a false works-based gospel. But that said, there's so many benefits to raising children counterculturally. The Bible says that we are in this world, but not of it. John 15, 19. And so Elisha and I just want to have this discussion today and talk about all this stuff. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in families that were fun, impactful, and relationship rich. Now that we're a family of our own with three young children under the age of three, we're eager to see what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. Well, Katie, kind of feels like it's been a little while since we've recorded a podcast because last episode we actually pre-recorded and then took a week off of recording. Yeah, so it's all fresh and new and exciting. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited about this episode. I have a lot to say. I know. I saw you writing down your notes and you just kept going and going and going and you went and sharpened your pencil and then came back and just kept I'm really excited to hear what you've what you're what you're going to talk about because I thought actually I had quite a few notes. Oh no! Bible references. So this maybe this is going to be like a five part series on raising countercultural kids. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, so yeah, it honestly makes me a little bit nervous that I have so much to say about this because you know the Bible says like. You know, it's that concept like you'll be judged for how many words you say, not how many words you say, but basically the more words you say, the more there is to judge. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, so it makes me nervous on this concept. I'm sure, yeah, we just don't have it all together on this. So we're just going to discuss it. We should probably have like all the disclaimers up front that this is very real-time learning. Katie and I, I don't know, I feel like... It's just there's some irony in you and I talking about parenting, but it, I don't think it's ironic when you hear what we're excited about and what our motivation and what our heart is. Well, I think, honestly, I feel a pretty good vibe on this topic. Like, I feel like I have a pretty good ear to the ground or whatever, mm. not because of my parenting, but because Elisha and I were both raised counterculturally mm. and we are both raised in groups of people who are raised counterculturally, yeah. lots of different groups of people. And so we've seen dozens and dozens of families that have either had children grow up, become adults, have a real understanding of the faith and the gospel and want to raise their children 
in response to that, which I feel like Elisha and I, Lord willing, <laughs> fall into that category. Yeah. And there are also a lot of kids, maybe it's just one kid in the family, maybe it's the entire set of siblings that are no longer walking with the Lord, have thrown out a lot of their parents' ideals or value systems, have just done a complete 180, or maybe they're just like, I want nothing to do with how I was raised. I'm going to raise my kids totally different. Hmm. So I feel like we've kind of been involved in this long-term case study yeah. in, in a certain sense. Yeah. And because of that, I think that we've made observations Yeah, and it's, I know, affected how we want to parent. And Katie and I sit here being so grateful for how we were both parented. I mean, the fact that our parents all of our parents, you know, they, they loved the Lord. They loved each other. They stayed married. They were faithful in preaching God's word and preaching the gospel in our homes. Um, I just couldn't be more grateful yet. I think that we've both learned from our parents and as mu- as grateful as we are, and as much as we want to carry on from our parents, there's probably things that we can look back in retrospect and say, maybe we'll do this a little differently. And I know that we certainly can look at families that maybe we were being raised alongside and say, we don't want to do that. Or maybe we do want to do that. Yeah, I think every single one of us, all you who are listening to this podcast, have done the same thing. We've mm. all observed who we've grown up around and our own upbringing. And that's how we start to parent, is based off of either in reaction or response to those observations. Yeah. And so, again, these are observations. We're making a lot of assumptions when we're looking into someone else's home right. because you don't know all the ins and outs of that's what's right. going on. And I was just thinking about this when I was writing down these notes. I was going, I would be terrified if my kids started a podcast and we're talking about how we raised them. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that yeah, like Yeah, that's so crazy scary? to think about. Yeah, like if Leon and Lucy were sitting here talking about like how we parented them. aren't there to explain your you know how you tried and you know you made so many mistakes oh well i mean if our parents ever listen to this or if they're listening you know right now thank you like thank you so much for keeping christ at the center of all that you did um and this and you 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 know our parents admit it on a regular basis that in hindsight they would do some things differently maybe they made some mistakes but our parents were so humble and quick to correct and always return to the hope that we have in the gospel and to voice that in our home. And so thank you, our parents, for... Thank you, our parents. Always doing yes. that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I just feel very, very blessed and grateful. And I hope that my children feel the same way about us mm-hmm. as I feel about my parents. I would feel like I did a good job <laughs> yeah. if that was the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so... What? I mean, what do you want? Well, do you want to dive into the to what we have written down well i don't see why not okay yeah cool are we diving are you waiting for me to dive in is that well, what's happening i don't know i had so yeah I had I thought, someone tell me that i was I, deferring to I you i lead the podcast too much like the conversation like i asked too many of the questions oh, and so it was, kind of it was a listener yeah and yeah. so now i'm like you you say something yeah well okay i'll be i'll be less passive a little bit more assertive here I'll start. How about that? <laughs> the first <laughs> the first thing I think that you should consider as a parent, I want to consider this as a parent, is first off, are you countercultural? And what is your motivated motivation for being countercultural? 
you know, it's so easy to look at our children and say, oh, I want them to be countercultural. Look at look at everything that's happening in society and, you know, what people what kids are seeing in media and on social media and what's going on in schools and what's going on in programs and the government and policies. And you say, I don't want my kids to be a part of that. And I mean, I think it's good to be discerning and to have somewhat of a pulse on what's happening in culture and society. But at the same time, we are the leaders of our home by, by position. Like we've put in the we've been put in that position of leaders of our of our home. And I think oftentimes you see how badly you want your kids to be um, different from the world and to not get caught up in some of the snares that are so prevalent in society that maybe maybe even you fell into some of these snares as a parent and you're thinking, boy, I want my children to avoid some of these pains and some of these hardships, but we'll oftentimes not know what the ultimate reason is that we want to be countercultural. And as a result, we don't even see why we would be countercultural as an adult. We think, well, I'm grown up, I'm working, I'm doing my thing, but you don't realize maybe the new identity that you have in Christ. And I think that as a parent, as a grown, grown up, as a just, yeah, just as a believer in Jesus Christ, coming back time and time and time again, because as the New Testament so repeatedly tells us to remember who you are in Christ, remember that any time you're going to implement practical changes into your life, it's because of this understanding of who you are in Christ. It's not just for the sake of having a better appearance to man or having a better result in a practical way. It's out of response to knowing who you are in Christ. And so I think that in order for you are preaching to your children to be seasoned with grace and to be really saturated in the gospel. You've got to have a firm understanding of who you are in Christ and who you were before Christ and how you are to now walk since you are a blood bought child of God. I love how you started out with that on what is your motivation for raising countercultural kids? Mm -hmm. Because I think some of the parents that I see that are maybe Elisha's in my age or older that don't want to raise their kids counterculturally because that's how they were raised. Hmm. They're just like, that did not serve me. Yeah. Like, I have no idea why my parents did those things. And often they'll be like, it's just because so-and-so, like my parents feared man. Maybe they feared yes. the pastor. Maybe they feared the circle they were in. Maybe, but they parented out of this fear of man yeah, wow. and not out of a fear of God. Wow. And I think we can really mess up kids that way. And yeah. So it's just like, what's our motivation for mm. doing things differently? Is it because, you know, we're walking as God calls us to walk to the best of our ability or are we just, I mean, a lot of cults are formed yes. by people that are countercultural. Countercultural doesn't mean biblical. Right. Countercultural doesn't mean Christ-centered. Yep. Countercultural just means doing something different. And you don't want to do something different for different sake. There has to be a good reason. Hmm. Or our children are just going to throw out how they were raised. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or if they don't, they're going to become legalistic about it. Yeah. If they don't know the, the reason as to why they're doing it. That's like, I feel like those are kind of like probably the two responses that you're going to have. As yeah. Like even when I mentioned in this intro on the podcast, I think the biggest danger of raising countercultural kids just for the sake of being countercultural maybe, and not having a deep biblically grounded why is because it's really easy to raise children with a false gospel and this moralistic view of living hmm. that's not centered in the good news of Jesus. Yes. I, something that I wrote down is I want, 
I want my children to believe in something more than mantras and morals. There's got to be the prince, not just principles either. They've got to believe in the principle one. Like there is this objective historical fact that happened 2000 years ago on the cross, Jesus, you know, God becoming man. And as a result of that, we are living, we are living differently. And that's a, it's just a factual reality out of which we're living, not a platitude, not a mantra, not some morals that are man-made. This We're living this way because of something that's true and that's happened. Yeah, you picture the Israelites. Now, we aren't the Israelites, but I think they're an awesome example in Scripture, or at least I'm not a Well, yeah, they were Israelite. God's children. Yeah. You know, he, he chose them, and he's chosen us yes. as his bride. Yeah. And you see how time and time and time again, they would start hanging out with whoever it was, you know, maybe the Babylonians, mm -hmm. I don't know, all those like ites, you yeah, know, the, the Amorites, the, the Hittites, the, the, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe they just killed the Philistines. The Philistines are cool. I don't know. <laughs> I do think they just killed the Philistines. Well, Samson, he uh, frat fraternized with You're the right, with the Philistines. Yeah. Not a good idea, buddy. Not a good idea. Got his hair all cut off. So the thing with that, and then they, okay, so then the Israelites start, becoming like the culture they're in and then the lord punishes them hardcore and i just think we see this pattern over and over and over in scripture so i, I definitely 100 percent believe as christians we should be counter to whatever culture that there is but that doesn't mean that we just do things like oh well you know those kids are playing sports so my kids aren't going to play sports or they're sure. wearing this i'm not going to do this that's not necessarily what it is because some things might be the same as the world we're living in, you know, like so-and-so might go to the grocery store and I might too. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, saying a non-believer will do some of the same things that I will do. Yeah. They like need to drink water and yeah, eat food. Exactly. And, like we're and, all humans. We're all living on the same planet. So there's going to be similarities. Yeah, yes. And, where we draw the line on how we're different should be biblically based. That's right. And, and I think, you know, using the, the children, the, the Israelites, that old, the old Testament, the just a second word, Leon's Leon's coming in to the episode. So we're gonna have to pause things and get him back in his bed. We'll be right back. And we're, we are back. Thanks for doing that. Katie, Katie went and put him back in his bed. And I wanted to clarify that because if you hear Katie, breathing heavy over here i just ran upstairs <laughs> and put him on my back and ran him upstairs so, yeah. i do i was just thinking this morning like i i sometimes i feel like we're really pressing our luck in this little window of recording the podcast because we've got four sleeping children and i don't know how we've been able to do this for like six weeks straight now oh, we're a hundred percent pressing our luck every single week it gives me like an ulcer yeah that we'll be able to get this done but then we changed from doing it at nighttime because we we would stay up so late and that would like throw off our whole week when we try to get it done at nighttime. So anyway, it, I mean, we'll just, it just is what it is. We're going to make it work. Yeah, we're going to make it work. I don't really remember what I was saying. Well, so I, I can't either. We'll, we'll move on. But I do want to say too, you know, you were talking about the children of Israel and God would punish them if they went and started, you know, kind of whatever, doing their thing with opposed to his will and his word and his law. And I feel, I, he would punish them, but he would also draw them back to himself and say, Hey, like I've bought you. The reason I've, I've called you to these things because I've, I've chosen you as mine. You know, I've made you, I've set you apart. And that's why I want you to walk in these ways. It wasn't out of this, like, Hey, I'm going to, 
or uh, meaning like I don't want I don't want this to come across and for that to carry over into this fear mongering form of parenting. Oh yeah, but we're I'm saying right. like, uh, well, because I think that that's another danger in parenting is you better not go you know over with your friends and go to those parties or God's gonna punish you or He's gonna do these things because that's not the truth of the gospel. There are practical ramifications to these things, but that's not how we're that's not how we're exhorted in the New Testament as all, at all. We're exhorted from this place of, don't you know who you are? Don't you know what's been done? And you get to walk in these ways. Yeah, Yeah, I think I really botched that. My whole thought is like counterculture isn't the goal. Hmm. Raising kids according to God's standard and what we believe is God's will is the goal. Not just to be counterculture. Yeah. Because there's a lot of ways we can be counterculture. I agree. And and I, I think you would agree, too, that even beyond that, raising God, raising children God, by God's standard and his ways is that they would know their creator and they, they would know their savior. Because I think that oftentimes as parents, we can have a pure desire to have them walk according to God's ways, but then we won't either exhibit or um, articulate in an effective manner the reality of why we are doing this. And, and again, not making it about principles, but about the principle one. Yes. I love how you said that. That was one of the first things I wrote down is tell them why show them the verses of why we believe why, what we believe. And if we don't, if we don't have those verses or we don't even have that understanding ourselves, then why are we doing this thing? Yeah. You know? And I think it's really important because as kids grow, I know as I was growing up, I started comparing my parents' whys with what I saw out in the world. Mm -hmm. And I was like, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do it? And so many of their whys were so deeply grounded in scripture. And because I was a blood-bought child of the Lord, then even if I didn't want to do what you know my parents said was a good idea this why was very grounding to me Hmm. because it was based in scripture it wasn't this arbitrary random standard that my parents had and that wasn't for everything some of their whys i was like well i don't see how that why matches up and i would make a different decision as i you know became an adult but so so many of their whys were hardcore grounded in scripture yeah it's it's actually nuts because we were just at my my parents house uh, last weekend or yeah, over, over the Easter weekend. And my parents were talking about how sad it is for them to see some of their peers that they were raising children alongside how they not just their children haven't just departed from the faith or, you know, what, what they thought was faith. Um, they haven't abandoned a lot of these ideals and principles they have abandoned them. Um, but as a result, their parents have kind of done it too. Really, I think showing that that whole time the parents didn't really know why they were bringing their children up in the way that they were bringing them up and why they had strict standards that maybe eventually the kids viewed as arbitrary and and totally subjective to the group that they were a part of. And, and, and as a result, the parents have not just abandoned these principles and ideals, but the faith on which theoretically these were based on. And I think that that's, we're always probably in danger of that of you of maybe your initial intentions are good. You think, boy, I'm saved. I've, I've given my life to Christ or I've been bought at this great price. I want to live in, in response to that. And then you just get caught up in the system that you, that you like go from the world system and to another man-made system. And you go from keeping up with the worldly Joneses to keeping up with these, you know, moral Joneses or these religious Joneses. 
And it's the same thing in the end. Like you're not doing it from this place of faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Romans tells us that that which is not done in faith is sin. You know, even saying like there's these good things to do, but if you don't do it out of faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, then it's as good. It's like as good as sin. You know, our, our good works are as filthy rags, you know, you know, compared to Christ's righteousness. And I think that that's something that we're always in danger of when you like join these bandwagons, because you can, especially now you can always find these little niche groups where you think, Hey, we want to live counterculturally. And you find your little group online and you start affirming one another. And it becomes less about why you started doing that and more about like who's doing it better, you know, or who's holding to that line a little bit more strictly. I'm so grateful you're here, Elisha, because what? I feel like I might have a lot to say, but it's so mangled in my brain and you oh, just no. like speak <laughs> so clearly and I just love what you're saying. I'm glad you think it's clearly. So, thank you. Um, yes, I think it's really easy for these things to become really mangled and inter intertwined to the gospel and like personal preference or the mm. gospel. I think it's so important to let our kiddos know and I feel like my parents did a good job of this, the difference between what is family culture and what is a sin issue. Mm. And it's also really easy when something's really close to say, Elisha's in my heart, to elevate personal convictions to gospel truths. Mm. And when we do that, again, there's just such a danger and our kids confusing the two. And I know I'm not going to do this person, uh, yeah. perfectly because I know there's things that I care so strongly about. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is going to bless your life if you do this because it blessed my life. But when we elevate those personal convictions to gospel truths, it's really easy for our kids to get confused on what the gospel actually is. Yeah. I feel like Katie and I almost like do this exercise. We've been doing it uh, the last few weeks on like, okay, well, could you you know, if ultimately you want your children to just carry on the faith and walk out in faith, but what if they told you, you know, they were going to adopt this into your life and you know, it's not a sin. The Bible doesn't call yeah. it a sin. You don't think it's a sin, but it's so important to you. And Katie and I have been like asking us different, each other, different scenarios. What if you're, what if Leon came to you and told you this, this. Or told and you like, he was going to oh, do well, this? I, clearly you're right. That's not a sin. That's not, but boy, whew, okay. You know, it just really shows how many of these things that I hold the, and, and again, maybe, maybe I can defend them as to why they are really important to me, but I don't want it to become parallel with the gospel truth, you know, yeah. and to become, or, or equal, you know, with the gospel truth, at yeah. least in the way I talk about it, you yes. know, and communicate it to my children. Something I feel my parents did so, so good at, and I know that Elisha's parents do this still, is letting they let us know as their children that this they were do doing the best that they could with this decision, but it may be wrong. Hmm. And my, I remember my dad would be like, okay, Katie, like it's honoring to you to obey me in this situation. Like the Lord, you know, that verse children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Yeah, it's like the There's first a blessing, with the blessing in honoring yeah, our father it. and mother again, even like that submission role when a wife submits to her husband, even if it's not like the best decision and you're honoring the position mm. more than the person, it's the same thing with parent child to a parent that's submitted to Christ. There's a blessing in a child submitting to that line of authority, even if the parent's wrong and mm. maybe making the best decision and they're just doing the best that they know how to do. Mm. But I think that something that I'm hearing Lawrence. Yeah. I'm going to go grab him in a second. But just to finish this thought real quick, I think they were so humble in admitting I might be wrong here. Mm -hmm. And just my dad saying I might be wrong, 
but this is what I think is the best thing to do in this situation made me made it so much more palatable to me, mm. especially as a teenager is I was like, well, okay, I think he's wrong. He thinks he, there's a possibility for him to be wrong. I guess I could do this. You know, yeah. I can respect that he's just doing the best he can. Right. And often he would say, Katie, this is the first time I'm doing this. And mm. my mom would say that too. I was well. the oldest in my family, but just that like admission of humility and um, this subjective parenting, because all parenting to a certain extent is subjective. Mm -hmm. You're just, you know, you're you making you're you. your best. Yeah. You're uh, as with, with the knowledge that you have of your children and God's word and, you know, working with your spouse. Yeah. You're yeah. I the just best respected my make. parents so much. And I uh, saw a lot of my friends who were teenagers lose respect for their parents in those moments. Cause I think it's really tempting. It's always tempting to act like, no, I'm right. Like, don't question me. I'm right. Cause you think in sharing that you might be wrong shows this weakness or mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's just like one of those, uh, maybe a dichotomy. That's one of those words yeah. that you, yeah. you know, that'd be one of those situations where by acknowledging that you're not all knowing and sovereign <laughs> and like supreme ruler, uh, but that you, but your heart's desires to do what's best for them and best for the situation, then it, it, it results in a much more, I think, yielded listener and somebody that's willing to hear you out. Okay, we're gonna go take care of Lawrence really quick. And we're back again. We, folks, I know last episode we had a bunch of interruptions and it's all, it's happening again. You know, it's funny, like four, four kids doesn't feel like a lot until you're trying to keep them all quiet for a podcast episode and then all of a sudden it feels like a lot also it feels like a lot when you see how many how quickly the bananas get eaten because i was just trying to give lewis a snack to see if we could keep him quiet a little bit longer and i went to grab a banana we bought like 10 bananas last night and they're all gone i know i wow. thought the same thing this morning oh, they eat like, those bananas what on earth you have four little monkeys okay something else that i think is really really big it, that I think my parents did really well is stressing your children being in the word and developing their own walk with God. Ultimately, we want our children to develop a walk with God hmm. and to have a real living, breathing faith that is real hmm. and that isn't just a moral standard, that isn't maybe our standard as parents, but that we want our children to have a fear of God more than a fear of us or a fear of anyone else in their community. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this, it, I mean, this is an interesting conversation too, because I, I'm sure it's different with every child when you make that transition from, they need to obey you just for the sake of obeying you because you're there, the, you know, the moral reasoning in their brains are not really developed that high, highly. And then they were becoming a young adult. They'll, they're starting to form their own thoughts and, that's where I just have no, like, I cannot speak with ah. confidence to that at all because I know that that's just going to come and you're going to be trying to figure it out in the midst of it, of that. But I do think that, again, our parents exemplified that and they can, they are continuing to do that. You know, knowing your child, having this open dialogue from the time your child's young to as they start growing so that you're aware of where they're at in their understanding of the world, when and how they're being exposed to different things that are, are sinful or that are that are wrong um, so that you are the person having those conversations with them they're coming to you when they hear a new word or they hear somebody saying something that they think is you know is off you want to be that person that safe place and so much of that is th that 
even though that's going to happen later, the relationship starts when they are really young and you're able to start tying those heartstrings and forming that relationship when they are young so that you are that place of safety that they trust. And then you're able to start encouraging them, like you said, to pursue their walk with God and to pursue a knowledge and an understanding of who God is. Yeah, I think watching my parents pursue their own relationships with the Lord was the single biggest motivator in me pursuing my own walk. And it's still actually something as a mother, I think, oh, you know, I haven't been in the word for a few days. And I'm like, wow, my mother would be up with the baby Mm. in the word. She still is to this day. And that is just something that is so powerful to me, even to this day, is her example. It's it sticks with me. Wow. And I love how you said to just welcome conversation. I know that this is going to be so much harder than what I can anticipate right now. But when, especially when kids come with a different opinion that they think might be true, maybe it's not a sin issue, but they're coming with a different understanding of the Bible or an different interpretation of something. And I think my parents did a good job of not getting angry or shutting me down hmm. when I came with those questions or maybe opinions that were different than what their belief system was. I think when we push our kids' questions away, you in, inadvertently you push them towards it. And when you get emotional, hmm. and I'm like the most emotional person ever, so I'm kind of toast. <laughs> but I just think anytime it would happen where maybe my parent would flare up and have an emotional reaction to what I was bringing to them. It's just weird how you feel this like, yeah, this gravitation, this towards gravitation it. <laughs> towards it. And so I think that, I mean, obviously God is faithful and we as humans are going to make mistakes. Mm. I mean, it's not like we can have the perfect response every time, but I think if we shut our kids down and are like, don't ever talk about that. That's totally not, the case and here's why blah blah blah. instead of hearing them out and welcoming that open dialogue I think they'll just go find someone else to talk about Mm -hmm. talk to it about Mm -hmm. and I would rather be the one having that conversation yeah than have them you know talking to someone else because they didn't feel comfortable bringing it to me yeah that's something that I'm so grateful for my I mean my family still to this day is very like conversational you know, when, when Katie and I go there, they'll just be hours upon hours of just sitting in the living room talking about what, just whatever. Like we like, uh, we like talking about different concepts and ideas or theologies or just different passages and your interpretation of it. And it's a very kind of like open format, even though there's a ton of commonality in how we think, obviously, because we were raised in the same home. Well, you but, have a lot of siblings that like to play devil's advocate, too. Yeah. and we So like, you always yeah. get this mix. You always get someone opposing what you're saying. Yeah. And, w- and my siblings and my parents, we all read different things and we listen to different things. And so we've got different opinions on things. But it's just a very like conversational environment. And I, I enjoy that big time. And um, I, I was blessed, actually, over this. I mean, I'm always blessed by my family, but my mom was sharing kind of like a personal testimony casually. We were just having one of these conversations, and she was talking about how as a mother, you know, in her, and just or actually just as a Christian, as a woman, but it carried over into her mothering, you know, in her 20s and 30s when she was a, when she was a young mother, she would go to God's Word on a daily basis. She's a very disciplined lady, and she would go to it with this mindset of like, okay, what, what can I do? what can I do for God? Or what's he going to tell me that I can do? How can I be a better mother? How can I be a better wife? How can I be a better Christian? Uh, he's got, he's going to tell me in his word. 
And then just like the Lord changed her heart so that she says in her forties, she just started going to God's word and seeing what he's done and who he is. And as a result that carried over into her parenting dramatically, rather than going to God's word, looking for like her five takeaways on how she was going to apply them to being a better Christian that day or a better mother. She was going to God's word and coming away, just worshiping him for who he was. And then that carried it out in practical ways. You know, good theology is very practical. And like you can't, if you're learning about God and growing in your knowledge and understanding of him, it's inevitable that there's going to be practical ramifications. And that really touched me that my mom was so like transparent and, and really articulated that in a very, I think, poignant way that touched me big time. Cause I think that as a parent, you so want to go to God's word thinking like, how can I, how can I teach my children better? Or how can I raise them up better? Cause we're told to train up our children, you know, that, that, you know, it's a good, it's a good thing to do. Um, but then going to God's word for you as an individual to see who he is and who all he's done and accomplished the working that what that does to your heart and to your perspective is the greatest blessing in that, that could happen in your home. I love that. I think probably to sum all of this up, it would just be having, you know, that trite saying, but it's so true, big God, small people. Yeah. I think if we have this big view of God and we have this fear of God and we're able to encourage our children in this reverence and worship and Mm. awe of God, people's man's opinion becomes so Mm. much less it, it has such a, a small hold on our on our lives. Mm. And that's ultimately what I want for my children is for them to walk in reverence and awe and fear of God mm-hmm. and of his holiness. Mm. And and have an understanding of what he's done. Have an understanding. Through the gospel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that they don't have to do anything to earn mm-hmm. his righteousness. They just have to accept his righteousness. Mm-hmm. And I think something that... Again, I I think my parents did well as we were growing up was they just they did have a big view of God Hmm. and they walked according to that view of God. And as a result, we didn't really fit in with many groups. Hmm. We had a lot of experiences with a lot of different kinds of groups of Christians, but we never really honed in on one. Mm -hmm. And even when people are like, well, where did you go to church? Well, we went to a lot of different churches Mm -hmm. that believed different things and they weren't scared to be more conservative than the liberal group or to be more liberal seeming than the conservative group. Mm -hmm. Or it was just this relationship of looking to God and taking counsel from people who they, who were wiser Mm -hmm. and older and were further along. Mm -hmm. But I think a, a lot of times we parent out of wanting to belong. Yes. It's like we're just grown up middle schoolers. We yes. still want to belong and we translate that into our parenting and onto our children. Oh, like when I'm honest with myself about how much I'm prone and vulnerable or susceptible, I should say, to peer pressure, it's really humbling when I think, oh, I want to raise my children to be countercultural. But then I look at my own heart and how much I still fight this desire to be accepted by the world or to be liked by the world. You know, the Bible says, woe unto you if all men speak well of you. And then there's times where it's like, all I want is for men to speak well of me. It's like, I really (laughs) want all men to speak well of me and to think well of me. And the Bible's saying, woe unto you if that's the case. So before I like want to encourage and exhort my children to walk differently from the world and to not be so, you know, susceptible or to not be so influenced by man's opinion 
or to have this fear of man, I need to be checking my own heart and be like, where am I at? What's the temperature in my heart? And am I fearing God or am I fearing man with my life? Yeah. And I think that's ultimately just what this all comes down to Yeah, is a fear of God. We mm-hmm. want to raise our children to have a fear of God. We want to have a fear of God and parent out of that fear, not out of the fear of how is our family going to look to our neighbor or how mm. is our family going to look to our pastor or my sister? You know, it's just, I think the danger in raising kids that are countercultural can just be, if that's the goal, then that's just not mm. the right goal. That just shouldn't be our focus. Yeah. I, I've been learning a lot from our pastor. I know we've brought up this church that we're going to a bunch. I'm going <laughs> to do it again. a fanboy. I didn't realize I was until, I, so we've always gone to really small churches. Well, not always, but like we went to a home church for a while and Ben and I was small, obviously. But then the other churches that we went to, we would get to know the pastor really quickly. And yeah. this church isn't, isn't big. I mean, there's maybe like 300 people at each service and mm-hmm. there's two services. I mean, 600 people. That's kind of big. I don't know. It's all relative. However, we've been going to this church for what, like maybe 12 or 13 Sundays. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we haven't uh, been able to meet the pa- pastor, but I've appreciated him so much. And he just like came up and introduced himself to me this last Sunday. And I kind of got starstruck. I was like, wow, that's crazy. I've been looking at your life-size poster in my office for 10 weeks. I can't <laughs> believe I'm meeting you in person. No, I'm joking. Isolated, blown up screenshot. <laughs> I'm joking. I didn't do that. Uh, but I church. did get a tattoo of his face on my arm. So not quite as dramatic. No, I'm joking. I haven't done any of those things, but I do uh, appreciate him. What was I going to say? Dang it. You okay. Know, well, so no, I've learned off. so much, I think, from him and how he's so faithful in not doing this, trying to guilt or pressure or obligate his church into doing things, but continually preaching the gospel, knowing that that's what actually brings transformation. I think I've been becoming more and more like sensitive to it as our pastor is so good in doing this. I hear when pastors will preach the gospel and it's like they get to that, yeah, you're saved by grace. And it's like they don't care. You know, Romans 6, it's like, well, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And if you just read through that, it tells you why that's not the case. Because he's saying, well, no, don't you know that, you know, if you died to sin, you're now alive in Christ. He bought you. He owns you. That's why you don't continue on in sin. But still, it's like when pastors preach the full gospel, you sense like this reluctance to just let it be that. They'd be like, but you better also, you know, you better also do the right thing. And you better also, before you go, make sure you know you better do the right thing too. Otherwise, you know, there's always like this disclaimer. I feel like not always, but oftentimes. And I think as parents, as our children grow up, it's going to be a temptation to do that. To preach this gospel and say, you are a blood-bought child of God. You are saved by grace. He is yours. He's done all the work. Put your faith in him and you've got eternal life and you've got a new identity and you get to walk with him forever. You get all things that pertain to life and godliness. But I think as a, as a parent, we want to add to that and we want to add law. We want to add legalism some, but also make sure you don't screw this up well, either. Because but also if you get a tattoo of your pastor's face, that's going to be seriously messed up. <laughs> it would be messed up. That was a joke. But I think you understand the point that I'm making. Did I... Did yeah, I make that point? Yeah, no, yes. you did. And I was trying to give an example, right. like in a cheeky way, of, but if you do this, yeah. then that's not going to be pleasing to God. Yes. It's, and, yeah. and, and so much of this is 
again, I know we're prone to it as humans to, we just start looking at things through cause and effect. And it's really hard for us to fully embrace the gospel, I think. And so we try to add to it and say, well, you'll get more blessing from God if you do this, or you'll lose his blessing if you do this. And rather than realizing like, no, actually in Christ, you really do have all things that pertain to life and godliness. He himself is the great reward. You have that a hundred percent by faith and leaving it at that. I think people, yeah, Elisha and I have this conversation all the time because I think the reason why we want to say, like, add a little moralism onto the gospel is because we've all, we all see or know, or maybe have been that Christian at times who have used freedom or God's grace to just do what we want. Sure. And be like, well, there's grace enough. I'm mm-hmm. going to just do what I want. And that's not having a surrendered heart to the Lord. And so we're like, we're nervous of maybe our kids doing that, or we're nervous of ourselves doing that. If we give ourselves the, the ability or the, um, permission to just believe the gospel for what it is. But I love how we were talking about identity the other day and we do things for Christ because of who we are. Mm-hmm. When we realize our identity is in him, it does lead to action, mm-hmm. but it leads to action because of our belief in a savior Mm. it doesn't lead to action because i mean basically the actions don't lead to that you know what i'm trying to say that righteousness that's right yeah if you're doing this action out of fear or out of trying to earn something out of out of legalism out of trying to get something more than christ that those are all the works apart from faith which is sin and the only time doing something that's a righteous act is according to God's word, is doing it out of faith in what he's done. And the crazy part is, is the more our pastor has just focused on the gospel, the more I feel like I have been pushed towards this desire to serve the Lord and to change what I'm doing and to honor him with Mm. my life and with my actions because I don't feel it's a person telling me what I need to do with my life. Mm. Yes. You know, I feel like, wow, I just want to honor and serve the Lord and with my life. That's right. And how does that look? How can I do this in mm. a better way? Yeah. So it's just kind of interesting how that works. Mm. I don't know if he explained it well. Pro- I probably did not at all. You I'm probably sure you did. did. No, you probably <laughs> did. Uh, uh, anyways. And that, and again, such I, big topics. Yes. Uh, the, yeah. I don't know. We're going to sure, get better yeah. at explaining this because Elisha and I have these conversations like four times a week trying to explain better yeah what we're trying to say yeah what we're trying to say uh but nonetheless regardless of how poorly or how well we articulated our thoughts and regardless of how accurate our thoughts were i do hope that this episode was an encouragement to you and that hopefully it spurs some more study and conversation and a heart to train up your children in the way that they should go and a heart to serve our great lord and savior Yes, absolutely. This is not um, black and white parenting advice, by the way. This is just, again, some things we've observed, just like you've observed some things. Mm -hmm. So combine your observations with our observations. May the Lord bless you on your parenting journey. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.